Hello folks, this is Swami. Welcome to another episode of the Short Stories Photography Podcast. My guest today is Shashank Kanna, who is a landscape photographer from the San Francisco Bay Area. He's a product designer from Yahoo and he brings a lot of his design experience to his photography. Every one of his photos conveys the emotion of the scene in a really calm and soothing way. And if you go through his portfolio, it's a, it's a truly a meditative experience. And, and it's because over the years, he's honed a unique editing style of blending warm and cool tones and uh, you know using subtle color palettes. Even his most dramatic shots convey that feeling of calm and peace. So make sure you check out his work at instagram.com slash Shashank Kanna. In this episode, we talk about color theory and the principles that he brings to photography from his design background. He explains his editing process and how he actually blends warm and cool tones to achieve his signature look. And, and not only does he explain his editing process to us, he does a live edit in Lightroom and Photoshop. And keep in mind that this is only the first part of my conversation with him. We had a much longer talk about other things in photography, including how he finds and shoots mud cracks. You should check out his Instagram, which is full of interesting mud crack images. Shashank has this uncanny ability to find unique compositions within a scene that I think many photographers would miss. So if you want to see these additional videos, make sure you're subscribed to my Substack, which is swamiphoto.substack.com. That's where I publish updates to all of the episodes. One last thing I want to mention, despite being so highly skilled and talented, Shashank is one of the most humble and soft-spoken people I've ever met. In fact, he didn't want me to mention in this intro that he was chosen as one of the top 101 photographers in the International Landscape Photographer of the Year competition. And that's because he personally doesn't believe in awards as accomplishments in photography because, you know, that's a subjective thing. But it goes to show that there is so much more for us to learn from him beyond photography. All right, I hope you enjoy this episode. Here is Shashank. Your photos, a lot of them have this pink and blue, warm and cool tones. And you have a way of making your shot look pleasing and has this calming effect. What is it that you're doing to your photo? What are your color grading principles? I think it's more than the color that I'm trying to achieve in a photograph. Right. Color is one very strong element that communicates that feeling. And essentially this harmony, right, which as you said, it feels calming, it feels soothing, right? And that's the kind of uh, feeling that I try to evoke out of my work. So it's actually a mix of color, mix of some details, mix of a little bit of autumn, right? Like I actually tend to not make my images very crisp or very sharp just because I'm trying to go for that, that feeling that it's, it's a bit more than reality. It has got that calming, that soothing sound. Even when I was doing my storm shots, that's exactly the kind of thing that I was trying to go for. It has to be dramatic because it is a storm, but can it be more soothing to look at instead of very punchy? And then this, the color combination of the blue hues merging into the pinkish orange or the pinkish warm or the reddish warm. Right? I personally enjoy that color scheme in general. And it's just that it's now it's become a little natural to play with that. It's essentially, what shall I say, 
these elements are not high contrasting. These elements are, they're complementing each other because shadows being blue and highlights being warm in general, but they still feel it's one piece together. It's not many degrees apart and the gradation or the gradient that gets applied from that orange to the blues, it's a very subtle gradient essentially. So it doesn't feel very stocky to the users. Essentially, if I bring certain principles out of it, not very heavy contrasts, more of a flowing color scheme into the composition and all about achieving the pleasant feeling out of the shot. Very times I've tried to, you know, like I'll be honest, played on black and white, I've played in going more warm. But the moment my warm slider starts going more towards the right, it starts adding a lot more color. And then yeah. I have to, I start becoming uncomfortable with that color. I'm a very color conscious person. Yeah. If you probably, I don't know if you noticed, like in the many other photographs also, this is my color. <laughs> this is what I wear. And my color schemes are very particular <laughs> in general. Yeah. It takes me a lot of time to get comfortable around new color schemes. Do you work with a particular color scheme or palette for all of your photos? I think for all of my photos, yeah, it naturally just starts like in the process of editing, it starts going in that and not just in photos, also in my design work. I've been a student of art, I've been a student of architecture and I've like studied user experience design and our last 12 years being a professional in the design industry. I've always been working with palettes. Uh, well, these are brand palettes or these are like for a particular project, it's a set defined colors. And the principle again is very similar here. Where you mostly have a palette, which is very neutral, but then there are a couple of accent colors that you use to highlight certain things and uh, say, I, I'm at Yahoo, right? So purple becomes our accent color where mm -hmm. we have to highlight certain things, we'll use the purple tone of Yahoo. Similarly, within photography, blue and grays and pastels become my neutral layer. And then the warm glows become my highlight area. So that I use as accent. And that will be less in a shot. This will be a lot more, maybe 60 to 70%. So the orange glow will be used where I need someone to focus or show that light is falling here and that is the way light is traveling into a shot. So in the case of Yahoo, purple is the accent color. What is What would the primary color be for Yahoo? That is actually purple. So how do you know which is the accent, which is the primary? The way we work in the ecosystem now, it's in the product ecosystem, not just Yahoo, actually many brands when they're looking at product design, digital product design, they come up with a set of color palettes, which include a lot of grays, a lot of whites, right? And then there will be certain cool tones, there will be certain warm tones, and then brand colors, of course, right? Like for us, it's purple, for Google, it's this multi-color palette that they have, of solid colors, right? And if you talk about Escape, it has that blue and the pink cotton candy color palette, essentially, right? So essentially, the lighter side of the colors, or more open, more airy colors, become your primary or base colors. And then one of these high saturated colors is what you apply or to show your brand, to bring attention, right? Because other colors will not bring attention. They'll just look pleasing to the eye, but only one strong color bring that attention. And you can't like, many times people feel right, like to design or to decorate something, you add a lot of color, right? That's what yeah. we learn when we're learning art, right? But you actually take a lot of color out.
and yeah. you have like base colors which are neutrals right and then you have highlight colors coming back to yeah. colors in, in in photography you mentioned that the shadows um kind of blue yeah. and highlights orange is that always the case not at all it's something that I tend to go towards. I, I recreate my work and take it in that color scheme. Even if it is a daylight shot, I tend to add a little bit of blues to my shadows. I open up shadows mostly, don't keep it very dark. Keep some detail in that and keep it more towards like this. I'd say not even like just blue, but more of a magenta blue or like a pink blue kind of color. Just so that it has that. A little bit of uh, characteristic to it. And there are a couple of other very good references also for anyone to look at. I think one is the color theory by Ellen Babnik. Uh, mm -hmm. That is a very popular educational document, I would say, because it explains how different color palettes can work. I'm mostly working with a very limited set of color palettes because that's what I like. But in general, that's a very broad foundation of working with color. No, but you're not, you don't have these palettes with you in Lightroom. In no, front of your eyes, it's all in your mind. Intuition. Yeah, it's uh, like I'm a very visual person. Okay. So it's the visual reaction and that visual balance that we are trying to achieve. Yeah. Since you are a, since you are also a designer, I'm sure you're using some. You're probably borrowing some principles from design into your photography. Would you be able to share a few few things with those of us who might not have that background? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I would love to. First of all, this aspect around what Shlomo said. Design, right? It's an intentional act to get certain results with either UI or a physical product or something, right? Designers are working towards making something very easy for people to use and very pleasant. So this aspect of aesthetics in design actually is a technical term and it's a technical concept. It's called, it's one of the principles of usability which is around aesthetics, that anything that is more pleasing makes it more professional. The users have more trust in it, right? And similar thing goes with photography a lot, right? Where something that goes towards being more pleasing, right? The natural reaction for us as people, human, right? Is, is a higher elevated reaction to it, right? We pause and we take a look at it, right? We enjoy the sense of aesthetics, it's evoking. So that is one of the very strong things that I can correlate, right? And there's a lot of interlearning that is happening across different domains. And one generic interlearning, I would say, is navigation, right? And the reason I say navigation essentially is in photography, you're using light and color to help user navigate through your photograph, right? It may be an abstract, it may be a wide angle shot with a foreground, midground, background, right? And a burning sky or night sky. Right? There's this sense of navigation that is happening, either with color, with form factors. And same thing is with design, where this principle of navigation is very strong. A user is on a UI or an interface and you're helping them navigate from one section to another section. And then you're creating these pockets, which are very focused pockets, right? Either you will use big bold text or hero images. You will use like very neutral colors, but you will use these big CTAs or buttons. For example, on this, uh, for Leaf Studio, there's this big red button. That's a very yeah. important action, right? So your eye is naturally going to that. So very similar principles of transition that work together. And many times it happens. I'm working on a project at work and I'm like, oh, it's just like photography, you know? I have to... <laughs> 
like many times this concept of SNR, which we use in our Milky Way photography, the signal to noise ratio, right? It's how to bump up the signal here and reduce the noise. <laughs> and it's the same thing for night photography that I have to get higher signal and reduce the noise. Many principles get applied to each other. And both are creative acts, both are fulfilling in their own days. So in your photography, you look for those, you try to build up those transitions and navigate the viewer from, where would you say, do you follow any particular, like in a, on a website, the navigation principles are straightforward from the hero image, top to bottom. In a photo, how does it work? That is a little bit more about studying that environment, right? And where the light is originating, the source of light, and where all the light is falling. And in certain instances, what happens is you have light falling on different parts and that may actually be distracting. So I tend to, like, if I can burn out some sections where I don't want the light to be shown in my shot, right? And only keep it in certain places, be more intentional about the light. And, and then there are multiple lights that are falling, you have direct light, then you have ambient light, you have reflected light. So how all of that is playing together and working towards that navigation. And it may, again, it may depend like your light is brightest in the foreground, right? depending on what you're trying to highlight or you might have seen like some of those uh, popular crack kind of shots right where you have cracks and then you have a plant or a flower you know uh, popping up in between and there's light only on that right so uh, some of those are more like studio-like techniques that you use in landscape photography right um, but it it just depends i mostly i would say it depends on where the source of light is Got it. That being the strongest element and then flowing from there either left to bottom or right to bottom or coming from behind. Got it. Now talking about color grading, since you stick to a particular color scheme, what if you take a shot and then you feel like this particular shot would look nicer outside your color scheme? Do you think like that or do you limit yourself to that scheme for all of your photos and try to achieve this cohesive look? Oh, absolutely. It, quite honestly, for me, it can also be a very strong limiting, but I do play with it, right? What I do is any shot that I release, maybe in the last few years, is not just one editing session. I'm very slow about it. I'm very deliberate. Probably three or four, and at times even seven different editing attempts to release even a very simple shot. And essentially that is trying out different things, experimenting on the looks and colors and just the comp itself, playing with some of those things. And many of the early editing sessions are quick. They are not very dedicated. So say I got some time in between, I'll sit for 15, 20 minutes and I'll try and do a look test of the photograph or I'm getting bored. Someone is driving and on my phone, I'll open the Snapseed app and I'll just play with some of those. and. Then I'll keep playing with the different hues, different white balance schemes, right? Going towards that perfect white in a shot and then seeing what the color is, right? So now actually what I do is earlier I used to go a bit more heavy on color. And now I'm personally trying to reduce the degree of color that I am using or the degree of saturation of an overall shot. And that's where I combine this aspect of going with these cool things and then also keeping a layer, which is black and white. And another layer, which is very neutral. And when I talk about neutral, mostly a lot of warms pop up or it goes towards the warmth, right? And the black and whites and the warms is something I use in moderation. So I'll have my base color scheme ready. 
and then I'll put these layers on top of that of color and just go all the way to zero opacity. And then I'll start increasing the opacity in steps. And the moment it feels like it's just that much, just that is the part of warmth I need to add, or just that is the part of saturation I need to reduce, I tend to stop there. So that's how I'm trying to add some bit of different set of colors or more neutrality to my work. But yeah, like, at least for now, I'm not done. Uh, my shots are black and white or noir primarily. Or uh, I think there was one shot recently that I did, which was a very warm color tone for me. That was in the sand dunes. Probably have it on my phone. I'll just open it up. Yeah, this shot. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, maybe on screen it's showing a lot more blues, but in actual, it's a lot warmer than what I usually do. And that's where I was experimenting with like the calling of the scene on can I, can I go more brown, more earthy, more, more warm than overall blues. When do you know you haven't gone overboard and when do you know how to stop? Like, do you ever feel yourself kind of starting to lose judgment of where this is going? Anytime, even after posting, sometimes I've deleted the work and I took some time again and reposted it and he worked on it. but. I think the biggest thing again there, what I learned is taking breaks because the eye develops that tunnel vision and mm. you don't know where you're going after a certain point of time. Your eyes are so adjusted to it. And by the time I don't take a break or come back to it after some time, I don't see the changes. And sometimes while being in the flow itself, what I'll do is I'll just like step back, walk a couple of steps back and take a shot at the look again, or I have a middle here. My screen reflects in the mirror. So instead of looking into the screen, I'll look into the mirror. So mm. Just these alternate ways of breaking my mental tunneling and yeah. seeing it in another way or seeing it on my phone instead of seeing it on my screen, even in between steps. Those are the checkpoints. Yeah, actually, when I was talking to Tanmay, he said that he, he flips uh -huh. the photo on the horizontal axis so he gets a different perspective of it. That's oh, that actually pretty... a good trick. Yeah, that's a very good trick. Yeah. How often do you ask for critique on your photos? Firm, firm believer of feedback. Extremely firm believer of feedback. Almost 100%. I don't think oh, there's any photograph where I'm not. It started mostly in escape, right? Mm. In the group. And then I have a trusted set of friends. A bunch, sometimes long speaks with Sitanme or, you know, someone. In fact, the shot which was awarded yesterday, right, day before. There, I just you took a bold step. I asked for feedback from Mark Adams. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And he was very kind. He shared some of his thoughts. And he, like the direction in which I was going, it was the natural way the light was falling. It was a very complicated light setup because lightning is happening behind and then yeah. the sun is setting the opposite direction. Then dunes being very reflective of light, just showing light in every direction. And what Adam suggested was, yeah, this is really cool. But if I were you, this is how I would go about it. And I, if Emma was going about it, there is something to think. Um, and then the thing was, it was not just getting this feedback, it is also experimenting with that feedback. So it's not like someone is trying to tell you something, you have to do it as is. It's like keeping an open mind about playing with that. Right. Because sometimes again, like tunnel vision, you are not thinking about certain things. And many times it has happened when someone has told you something, right? hey, do you want to like wrap this or you want to remove this out of your shot or crop it? Many times I will not do that just because that's not the kind of look I'm trying to achieve. 
but mm-hmm. any of the feedback that is helping either the technical aspects of the shot or just basic cleanup or then it's working is helping towards the end result that i'm trying to achieve i usually include that a lot and i at least play on what someone else is saying because i did not yeah. think about it I actually remember your lightning shot you posted it and then you deleted it and then yeah. you reposted it again yeah <laughs> and then the lighting was totally different <laughs> it was i just flipped because what was happening was two sources of light were conflicting the viewers a lot they're not that visual narrative was becoming very calm and that was yeah. just the process of simply from like, like making it feel like one source of prominent light rather than two different sources right actually in just a bit i want to talk about that photo in particular mm-hmm. but on the topic of feedback do you ever feel like sometimes the feedback can derail your vision because you're getting i know you said you take what input that matters to you but how do you know what input like sometimes when people tell you change this or change that you start to question your own beliefs and your own intuition that you had before you asked for feedback how do you balance the two that's a excellent question actually and it used to happen a lot before now probably i learned the technique of balancing it or handling it well <laughs> right so that even the other person doesn't feel bad about it but one thing i do is i tend to become a bit more specific and i'm seeking feedback so i'm not like hey what do you think there may be just a stage where i'm too early maybe i just did a quick edit and i ask someone about do you think this is a short worth picking up i do that many times just a very simple thing when i am little bit more into the process and i am gone a bit far then i'm not asking for generic feedback then i'm essentially asking for very specific feedback mm. and it's more hey i think i'm a little bit stuck on this particular part what do you think what can i do or how do i fix this problem in this shot so it uh, it's more i know what i am seeking and then new information also pops up right because everyone has ideas when they look at something right like many times when jeff and i are speaking he was he gave me a crop even for about the storm shot right he was suggesting let's crop it i played with yeah. it right but intentionally since the start of the shot i was more like i want this to be to look more like a landscape shot rather than a panoramic shot because it was a telephoto shot for me as well right it was a telecompression that part the shot was looking good it was looking more condensed right but it just did not align with the vision on that particular scene i had right i wanted more elements i know there are certain elements that are distracting in that shot i can probably go back simplify but his intention was really good Right. but it just did not align with the overall stru- construct of the shot that i was going with but then there were many other points that we talked about i just took the shot away from public release and then reworked on it and then came back because there were yeah. many elements of honing it yeah. yeah it opened other doors it opened other ways of thinking about it yeah. for you right. and um, possibly there might have been a different composition of the same shot that could have worked as well but it was just not fitting with your vision for this Take a shot. Yeah, very true. And even like we release as photographers a single shot of a particular scene many times, or a single or similar kind of looking shot. But that sequence is at least two hundred plus shots that I have. That, yeah, and something may work, something may not work. So it's also right, like what part of the thing that you're building. All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. That is the end of part one. Make sure to subscribe to Swami Photo dot. substack.com that way you will know when part 2 is ready and i will also be sharing some interesting video clips from the interview where 
Shashank shows stuff on Lightroom and Photoshop so you can see exactly what he does with his images. Alright then, I'll see you soon.